Seattle University's student-run radio station. 1021 FM, KXSU Seattle. It's time for the Red Hawk Report on 102.1 FM, KXSU. And now, here's your host, Russell Brown. Good afternoon, Red Hawk Nation. Thanks for tuning in here on Seattle University student-run radio station, 102.1 FM, KXSU, or online at kxsu.org. Or if you're listening to us a little bit later on any of our podcast platforms, again, thanks for tuning in. A beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest and have a special show on tap for you here. Masvita still uh, kicking his feet up in Zimbabwe, so I thought I'd bring in some of the youngins as a walker Brooks and Matt Price are in the studio. Guys, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing, doing great. Doing great. So, Walker, you are a summer intern with Communications and Athletics. And then, Matt, you are the editor of the uh, sports section, right, of yep. The Spectator. So, both you guys know sports very well. So, I thought it had a perfect time to bring you two on and uh, pick your brains a little bit on this episode. It's always great to be on student radio. Radio is absolutely the best. Yeah, oh, I agree. Happy to be here. First time on, so let's excited to be here and get to work. Good, good, good. Well, yeah, yeah. well tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, we'll start, Walker, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, so all the fans at home and everybody, you know, clamoring now. Who, who are you? <laughs> all right, well, I guess the first obvious thing is I'm, I'm going to be a senior at Washington State University. Oh. I... I am also part of student radio. We have a lo- we have a student radio station. I'm the assistant sports director. I uh, have a show there. I do some play by play, and I'm also a big podcaster. I've been podcasting since 2019, my freshman year. All right, he's coming for my job, guys. He's coming for my job. Look at him over there having his own show with the Cougs. <laughs> but Walker, it's been it's been great past week or two weeks now having yeah. you over at the O'Brien Center, and he's been doing a lot of things behind the scenes, helping with the website, doing things like that, so we appreciate it. And then uh, Mr. Matt Price, you're going to be doing stuff at KXSU hopefully soon, going solo, but t- tell everybody a little bit about yourself as well. So, yeah, I'm a second-year um, student here at CLU, coming from all the way from the sweet state of Wisconsin. So go Badgers and all that oh. stuff. Go Brewers. Go Bucks. Did you just shout out another university on Seattle University? Uh, you know, accidentally that was a, uh, that was a little slip uh, Accidentally, up. folks. Okay. I mean, uh, I, 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 I am a Badger thing, football guys, time. At home. Okay, uh, right. Badger football <laughs> fan here. All right, football is fine. But, uh, we have no argument there. Okay, yeah, right, right. I wrote student for the student newspaper last year for a full year, um, mainly writing about sports, but I also covered like politics and everything around the Seattle area. Okay. And then over the summer, I applied for a sports and opinion editor, and I got it. And we've been do- writing about Seattle sports. We cover every single sport, and then we cover the Sounders, the Storm, the Mariners, and the Seahawks. So yeah, very. I've been becoming more of a seattle fan but i stick to my roots hey you always gotta stick to the midwest roots midwest is strong with their uh their connection with people when midwest people move to other spots it's still a midwest thing and uh what is it midwest nice and all that good stuff guys aren't very nice when it comes to sports though but uh, that's, that's just because we're better than you guys <laughs> oh okay Ooh. all right fighting words on day one in the studio all right just some friendly banter. all right all right so uh maz if you're listening at home you got the youngins taking over your seat so uh you know, just just stay out there. It's fine. Uh, we're going to meet you back. But, again, another beautiful day here in Seattle. We'll take a quick break, come back, look at some top headlines in Seattle University Athletics. You're listening to the Red Hawk Report on Seattle University student-run radio station 102.1 FM KXSU. This broadcast is brought to you in part by Seattle Children's. 
Seattle Children's has been named one of the best children's hospitals in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. Hope, care, care. Seattle Children's. Georgetown Brewing is a proud sponsor of Red Hawk Men's Basketball. Georgetown Brewing Company is an independently owned Seattle craft brewery and the maker of Manny's Pale Ale. Information about their tasting room, kegs, growlers, and cans to go can be found on their website, georgetownbeer.com. Red Hawk Men's Basketball is sponsored in part by Alaska Airlines. Alaska Airlines is now offering enhanced cleaning measures and mask requirements on all flights. More information is available at alaskaair.com. Swedish is proud to support Seattle U's athletic department and its students. Swedish offers programs such as charity care, research, community health, and education. More information is available at Swedish.org. This broadcast is made possible in part by Coke Zero, a proud supporter of Red Hawk men's basketball. Coke Zero has zero sugar and no calories. Coke Zero is available in stores now. Coke Zero, a proud partner of Seattle University Athletics. I'm Nestor Herman, right-handed pitcher for the baseball team at CRU, and you're listening to the Red Hot Report. And welcome back into the studio here. And Russell Brown, your host today, alongside Walker Brooks and Matt Price. Well, guys, let's dive into some uh, top news inside of the Seattle University Athletic Department. Let's kick off with uh, Mr. Nathan Cogswell. A former uh, Red Hawk report. Uh, alumni? Alumni, yeah. Let's just call it alumni. Sure, that's a good way to put it. Um, he hopped on a couple episodes ago, and, you know, he had such a great season. It, it did come to an end, but all great things eventually come to an end. He uh, was out in the Stockton Regional. We hosted that at the O'Brien Center, the selection show. He was down there. He finished 72nd out of the field. Uh, but he was the first Red Hawk to win medals to honors at the WAC Championships a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, as I said, a great season. Uh, he marked the second Seattle U appearance in the NCAA tournament. It was a team appearance last time in 2017. Uh, they competed in Sammamish, so it was a, kind of a local thing. But I don't know if you guys do big golf guys, but anytime you make history, you're the second to do anything ever. You know, big shout out to Nathan. But uh, what, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, golf? Are you big big golfers or anything? I think this is a great look for Seattle yeah. U as a school, especially because we sh- we're we're more recent as a D one school compared to like other schools in the area like UW or uh, Washington State. I mean, pack we're not Pac twelve or anything, but it's a huge deal to get somebody ranked nationally from the Seattle U golf team, especially because not a lot of people that I have come into contact with or have talked to really know that there is a golf team or that people play golf here but it's really nice to see that i mean we're getting national recognition for the golfing so yeah i think what's most impressive to me is how consistent uh cogswell has been for the past two years mm-hmm. he's got multiple top 10 finishes in collegiate and professional events so i just think his consistency has been is gonna be really good for this team and i noticed how heavily dominated this is this team is with upperclassmen seniors and juniors so i think they're set there this team along with cogswell's performance is able to set the table for future generations of golfers because a lot of people when they think of collegiate sports they might not it's a lot a lot more goes into it than your just performance on the field like waking up on time it's there are a lot of practical things that you have to learn as a college athlete going yep. to class waking up on time to go to a 5 a.m lift it's a lot harder and i think cogswell's consistency is going to be crucial for the the red hawks continued success and he just sets up the younger players such as liam gill a freshman 
I mean, again, big shout out to Cogswell. I'm a big fan. He's from my neck of the woods over there in Covington. So he's a Kentwood conqueror. So, again, as both of them hit on it perfectly, Cogswell had a great season. You know, when we talked about him on here, he talked about his dedication. He'll be back next year as well. So it, it's it's been an impressive run. And you talked about the consistency, which is a perfect segue into our next topic, and that's softball. And um, their season, unfortunately, did come to an end as well as we're getting to that time of year as summer gets closer and closer. They end the season with a 32-24 and 24 record, 15-9 and nine in whack play. They had that tremendous stretch of 16 straight series won. That unfortunately dropped this season. It happens, when, especially when you get injuries. And, you know, if we could have Jeff Hirai on here, he would talk about that, the resiliency of this team. But they fell in the conference play to Stephen F. Austin. They played him twice, lost to him both times. That was the, you know, the double out right there. Carly Nance talks about how amazing she was all season. She was whack pitcher of the week, whack bat, whack batter of the week, uh, selects a player of the year out of the whack. She made all whack first team, all region second team. Grace Luterer was freshman of the year. Olivia Vigiano whack all defensive, all region third team. Uh, Stephanie Madrigal was all whack second team, and Lily Garcia and Madison Kawadi both all defensive. So I mean, this team was completely stacked, and you know it's interesting to see those teams that you don't see as much as Stephen F. Austin. We'll talk about a little bit later in baseball and teams you don't see, but you know, you can sometimes run into a team at the wrong time. But again, I think this was another great base or excuse me, softball season for the Red Hawks and coach. He continues to have success on the field along with all the great talent they have there. But uh, softball again, big, big run. You got, I, I know both of you guys like baseball and stuff, but I think you were talking to me, Walker, about how softball is so much fun, so fast, and so. But I mean, it's just it's impressive to watch them play, especially when Carly's in the circle. I mean, it's just oh. it's it's dominant. Yeah. She's so good. Sorry, sorry. But she's she's so good. Like I I remember seeing her last year in the NCAA tournament, along with Olivia Vigiano. They they have a great team over there, and injuries they just like you can't predict them so things happen like people get bounced but you know the future is really bright for SU softball I mean you got to remember just last year they won the WAC and they were in the NCAA tournament so we could and they were very good again this year finishing above 500 once again so I mean this is a team to just keep on looking out for and just expect them to possibly make a run in the next few years or so yeah I don't put it by them at all I mean, if you look at it, they're 32 and 24. That's with injuries. I think that's that's impressive mm-hmm. that you are still that talented and that deep where you can pull off 32 wins with injuries. And I think Carly was mentioned to me the second I started working. You're like, have you heard of this player? Of course I have. <laughs> Two-way players are pretty impressive. I mean, it's that's, yep. a, that's a talent. There are not a lot of notable two-way players in college. No, and this she's the type that will strike you out and then take you deep the next inning at, yeah. at the plate. So... Again, congratulations to Coach Hirai, Nance, Vigiano, Madrigal, Kawadi Garcia. I mean, all the entire team, congratulations. We had uh, Montecaro on here, obviously on the Red Hawk Report at one time. So, obviously, as all Seattle a- athletes and sports here, we support them. That's the point of this show. But still, it's uh, it's amazing to watch them play. Season came to an end a little bit, you know, earlier than we would have liked. But, again, it's a ni- another great season. Matt, as you said, they're going to come back just as strong, if not stronger, next year. So it's, again, it's very impressive what Jeff has built here, Coach Hirai, and it's even more magical to see what's going to happen next year as they continue to build that. I wish the streak continued, the 16 straight series won, but that just means you have a chance to start another one. That's the way I look at it. Um, talking about the other diamond sport, though, baseball regular season ends, just the regular season. 
it did end perfectly <laughs> down there in Arizona. They were swept by Grand Canyon to end the season. They came in pretty hot relatively into that series. And we, we talked about Donnie Harrell. He'll be on this in a little bit. And we talked to him before that series. So if there's a little, you're a little confused at the interview, we had to snag him before he went down to Arizona. And he's kind of talked about it. You know, this was a tough series. Grand Canyon was the best one in the West Division, the best team record-wise in the West Division. Uh, but they did still finish as the three seed out of the West with the record they had. Um, they'll play Lamar in the first round, which we'll talk about after we talk with Donnie. But your guys' thoughts on the baseball season? I know it's it was a little up and down. Again, there's another team that started with injuries, and once they found themselves, they were gelling well. Sometimes you get, you know, it's that type of sport. What are your guys' thoughts on uh, Coach Donnie Harrell and the Red Hawk baseball squad? So I think if they get hot, they can make a great run in this tournament. Yeah. They've been playing really well. They, they've proven that they can put runs on the board. The big thing for them, though, is consistent bullpen pitching. Mm-hmm. They need somebody that can give them five innings of good baseball and not too many hits and runs, and then somebody that can close it out, which they haven't been too good at. But those bats, if those bats stay hot and they continue to just roll out runs and runs, uh, they could beat Lamar and they could make a little bit of a run. Yeah, I agree. No, and I think for me in postseason in postseason play, what's crucial I think is an ace, and I think they have a pitcher, uh, Peter Kronowski, I believe I'm saying it properly. Yep, yep. Peter, I think he has the potential to develop into a very, very good ace. And I mean, he's gone two of his last three games; he's pitched at least six innings. So I think those are he can turn quality starts, and that's what you need in the postseason. Just your pitcher to give you enough quality innings where your bats will then pick it up, and they definitely have the bats to do that. And that's the the thing about this team; their offense. So batting wise, they are very old. Their their field players are seniors, and we talked about I think sixteen for senior day moved on. But that rotation, as you said, is very young. Peter still has time. Nestor Herman still has time. Brady Little still. I mean, this will develop, and they'll get better. And that pitching gets better. This is probably the best offensive team, as Donnie will say later in the interview. But you know, you just got to balance out the pitching with the hitting. And as you said, they can get hot at any moment. And I think baseball and softball, those two sports that you just need a pitcher to be solid. Give me, you know, six solid innings. And this offense is good enough to beat anybody, I believe. So uh, I think you guys hit on it perfectly there. Other news outside of quote-unquote athletes is a new addition. That's their Brian over at Red Hawk. But David White joins, and he's going to hire on as uh, in compliance. He'll be the new assistant athletic director for compliance. Very, very Nice human. We went out with him when he came into the city before he officially started. We went out, got lunch together. Great guy. He's going to be a great addition to the team. He'll also serve as the Red Hawks athletic diversity and inclusion designee. So with that, you know, this continued there. Graduate of Morgan State in 2017 with a bachelor in uh, psychology. He got his MBA in sports exercise and performance psychology from Barry University in 2021. Was also working at Barry University uh, along with prior stops at Kentucky Wesleyan. And obviously, I'm not going to have you guys speak on him because I don't think you met him. <laughs> Probably not. But um, another great addition. Continue to build out the, the team behind the teams. That's always so important when you bring in new people, especially compliance and people that work so closely with the athletes. It's important to build a great team that supports those guys. And it's the people that you don't see their faces that allow our athletes to go out and do what they need to do. So uh, very excited excited to see David White continue in his role. And, uh, yeah, this, just like you guys, you guys, whether an intern or starting out and, you know, getting school done and wanting to be a great journalist, got to start somewhere. And 
one day when you guys get hired on, someone's going to write a report about you and talk about how great you two are. So uh, one day we'll get there, right? We'll get there. But uh, we'll step away, come back with some pro Red Hawks in a new little segment, hashtag pro Red Hawks. So we'll talk about everything going on for people who have left campus, continued to amaze us in the red and black. But uh, we'll be right back here on the Red Hawk Report on KXSE 102.1 FM. This broadcast is made possible in part by Copiers Northwest. For over 30 years, Copiers Northwest has been offering multifunction copier, printer, and software solutions for businesses and organizations in the Northwest. Swedish is proud to support Seattle U's athletic department and its students. Swedish offers programs such as charity care, research, community health, and education. More information is available at Swedish.org. Georgetown Brewing is a proud sponsor of Red Hawk Men's Basketball. Georgetown Brewing Company is an independently owned Seattle craft brewery and the maker of Manny's Pale Ale. Information about their tasting room, kegs, growlers, and cans to go can be found on their website, georgetownbeer.com. Red Hawk Men's Basketball is sponsored in part by Alaska Airlines. Alaska Airlines is now offering enhanced cleaning measures and mask requirements on all flights. More information is available at alaskaair.com. Jade Lancaster of Women's Tennis, and you are listening to the Red Hawk Report. All right, folks, it is time for a new segment here on the Red Hawk Report because, well, as summer approaches and we have less and less going on on the actual campus of Seattle University, it's a perfect time to talk about those who have left the campus and continue to make us proud here on what we are calling hashtag pro Red Hawks. And a little uh, before we get into it, I will say that there is a couple that we're going to shout out. I will talk about it when it comes up, but they are not technically pro Red Hawks. They're just doing other things outside of Seattle University right now. So just not to confuse you, I'll talk about it when it comes up, but don't want to concern anybody. But let's start with someone who truly is a pro and currently pitches for the Detroit Tigers from Donnie Harrell's squad. Mr. Tarek Skubal, who is three and two on the season with Detroit and the Tigers in the Motor City Midwest team. There you go, Matt. More in my uh, Twins division, not NL, but same. It's all right. Two point two ERA in forty four and two thirds innings pitched so far. Unfortunately, he did take a line drive off of his uh, shin in his last outing, so waiting to see he did walk off the field and quite a bit like he didn't wait for the trainer he walked off in quite some pain but he's having such a great season hopefully he'll bounce back he's such a almost like a legend when you talk to seattle U baseball players you know seeing scoob over there with detroit but uh, both you guys pretty sure like baseball and there's yeah like, i hope so i mean i love baseball so be a little touchy if you didn't but uh scoob i mean it's Baseball, there's so many players that can go pro because you have so many divisions of minor league, so many uh, major league rosters are so big. But to have someone who has become a little bit of an ace for the Tigers, I know they're struggling this year, but Scooball has been doing so well. As we said, hopefully he can come back and pitch soon because I don't know if you guys saw the video, but he took it right off the shin and immediately walked off. They did get that out. So technically, I think it was a 1-5 one five four out because um, it went technically touched him, but they got the out and but hopefully he bounces back. But uh, what, what's your guys' thoughts on uh, the Scoobs? 
I to be honest, I when I I had heard of him before I had started working at Seattle U. I was impressed by his stuff before entering here. But what I thought, all right, was, show off, whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, he's got that level of clout and skill yep. where someone yep. not affiliated is impressed, is knows about him. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was cool is he still, even with the injury, still has a current scoreless streak of I believe at 19 innings right now, the most by a Detroit Tigers starter since 2016. I mean, he's a phenomenal pitcher. Mm-hmm. And then the previous week, May 15th, he, when his last pitch, he was at pitch 100, which is, as baseball fans know, the magic pitch where your arm falls off. He was still, he threw a slider to Chris Owings and struck him out. And I, what I was impressed by with that pitch was that even when his arm was done, he was still trying to get Chris um, Chris Owings to chase. Like he was still throwing good, he was throwing quality pitches even when his arm was, quote unquote, out of gas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... he... He's a great pitcher. He is. He, I hope he comes back strong. I mean, that lineup like that looked like it hurt, and he seemed pretty mad at himself afterwards. But I just hope that he just doesn't get in his head too much, and he comes back stronger than ever. Well, I think the rotation for the Tigers keeps getting banged up too. That's the biggest thing. I think he's more upset that this continues to happen. He's battled through things as well, and it's. I think you know you get frustrated. You guys know when you just feel like you. Ah, man, I I'm finally rolling, and then boom, something knocks me off course for some reason. Um, but yeah, obviously we never want anybody not to have time back out on the field, and especially him who was doing such a great job. This other alumni currently in the minor league systems from the Red Hawk baseball team, but uh, Scoob has definitely been having a great year, and hopefully he gets out there. That biggest—I don't know about you guys, but the biggest stat I don't look at when it comes to pitchers is their record, because he's right. three and two with a two point two two. I don't care about. And the Tigers' offense has been nothing lately. You know, they got Baez and everything. We won't go too far into, um, you know, MLB hot stove talk. But uh, throughout the three and two, I'll just say he has an ERA of 2.22. You talked about that uh, scoreless streak that he's been on in innings. And obviously he's making Donnie and the rest of the Red Hawks very proud. But uh, another guy who, close to my heart, Mr. Alex rolled on. We talked about it uh, the other uh, last episode, so we took a week off. So two weeks ago, just won the Champions League, first American team to ever do that, the Sounders War. We got an interview with him. He talked about how he's thankful for everything he's, you know, Seattle U has helped him accomplish and make him the player he is today. Um, so we'll skip that, even though I like to keep shouting it out. Best team in North America, just say that. That's what the title says, what the trophy says. Had an assist <laughs> in his win uh, in the win over Houston on Wednesday. And I'm not sure if, who's tuning in. Watch the match. Great assist. Cross from Jordan Morris. Rolled on. Crossed it back to Raul Ruiz Diaz for a little tap in in front of the net. Was the deciding goal in that win for the Sounders who are trying to climb out of the cellar that they kind of dug themselves competing in CONCACAF. So they got to get back above the playoff line in MLS. But he got two kind of questionable yellow cards. The first one, he was defending his brother Christian, who got tripped up. And Alex gave a professional foul, is the way soccer is going to say it, to slow down the uh, the counter from the dynamo. And then he picked up another one that was a little bit questionable. And for anybody who doesn't know, two yellows is a red. So he was kicked off in the match, which Houston already lost a player. So it was even once again, but then he had to miss their match at Colorado where they lost. So I'll say because Mr. Red Hawk, Alex Rodon wasn't out there. That's why the Sounders lost. That's what I feel like. Um, That's true. Whether the U S back me up or that's true or not, whatever, but uh, it was questionable yellow cards, but he's been a player that you talk about Scooble. You talk about these guys, uh, everybody that's a pro Red Hawk and this and that Alex 
is not only a pro rhetoric, but he's doing it on the biggest stage. He represents his nation, El Salvador. He represents the Sounders winning the biggest trophy you can win, domestic, or not domestically, but internationally for an MLS team, a professional club here. He has done it at such a big stage that it's, you know, it's kind of in awe that he was at championship field at one point, you know, scoring goals. Now he's obviously more of a defensive player professionally, but he he captains El Salvador. I mean, he does so many great things for this university image-wise. And the fact that you have Christian, who went to UW, it's just such a fun rivalry now that the Huskies and the Red Hawks, not like they need it anymore to butt with, but it's almost fun seeing Christian succeed and Alex succeed and seeing them come from two universities that support or in the same city. And now they both play for the same professional club in that city. But different national teams. Yeah, different national <laughs> teams. So <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, the Roldans spend a lot of time going back to El Salvador when they were younger. So they speak fluent Spanish and this and that. Christian decided to declare for U.S. national team. Alex felt like he wasn't going to get the fair shot with U.S., so he represents El Salvador, and pridefully so. So they two, you talk about a house divided constantly. One's purple, one's red, one's El Salvador, one's United States, but together both in rave green. But, yeah, that, that, that's a great point. But um, you know, number 23 is always in our hearts here. At, at championship field so maybe we can get him out one day uh this year kind of celebrate that man we had a t-shirt giveaway last year yeah no yeah, I, have that was a, a, I have a poster of him up in my room no look at you he's got, okay. he's got his, his big head up there right? <laughs> <laughs> you uh, can tell called him a big head I yeah he, he also he also had showed up to a few games so yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's still supporting his team oh 100 percent it's, it's really it's really great to see like Seattle yeah. alumni like making it outside of Seattle U and then still coming back and supporting their their roots and it's it's nice to see. Yeah, and uh, I love soccer, so it's even more so. But I think in such a soccer culture city too, to have two guys like that, I think it's awesome. And the fact that Sounders continue to believe in him, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, he's going to be this and that, the role players. But no, he's a big contributor. Uh, him and his brother Bless playing on that right side. It's been tremendous to watch. So here, here's where that um, continue the soccer talk. This is where I have to uh, say the next players I'm about to talk about are not pros. They will be back this. They will be back in the red hockey uniform, but they are playing currently in a quote unquote professional, semi professional league right now. And if any of you remember, we had Achille Kasim on the show very early beginning of the Red Hawk report as he was the first sighting in Ballard FC history, which is a lower division professional team club in the United States soccer system. And they're a new team this year and they picked up a quite a few Red Hawks, honestly, and they are now playing at Interbay on the campus of Seattle Pacific is their home stadium. So they are competing. They, they can compete in the U S open cup. So eventually they could play the Sounders. If the Sounders can get knocked out of the U S open cup, that's for another day. Anyway, they had their first official match over the weekend. Achille Kasim, Declan McGlynn, and Peter Kingston all started for Ballard FC. And James Morris came off the bench. So right there, you got four Red Hawks representing just across the waterway. And uh, if that wasn't good enough to have them start, Declan scores the first goal in club history at the six-minute mark for Ballard FC just to hype everybody up. And uh, the play-by-play voice for your Red Hawk soccer actually has to call for us. So why don't we tune into that one? Tetsani runs over. 
McGlynn steps up, curls and scores! Put him in the history books. The first goal in Ballard FC history comes from Declan McGlynn on the set piece. And he stepped over that one, knocked it home as Ballard cruised to the big win. Achille Kasim also in net getting the start. Gets the first win for the Red Hawks, or <laughs> Red Hawks, for Ballard as they go to 1-0 on the season. And a big part of that is because of a bunch of Red Hawks. So, again, I know it's a lot of soccer talk for you guys, but <laughs> what, I, what not, they're not professional yet, but they're on their way clearly. What are your thoughts on these college? Oh, let's just go to a broad question. What's your thoughts on these college players being able to play in summer leagues in order to hone their skills to be better once they come back to college and eventually when they go do go pro? Well, I think, personally, I think it's great. I think this is similar to in college baseball. You have all the summer leagues, the Northwest League. Yep. The, all of them, they're spread, they're spread out throughout the summer. It's a competitive, it's just a competitive atmosphere you can play off-season. I think they're low-key, casual games that are that also keep you your competitive nature going, and they only help you get better. You get to play with your teammates more, and just local, it's going to help grow the interest in, let's say you're going to the game, you live in Ballard, it's something to do, and then you say, hey, this player for Seattle U played really well. I'm going to go check him out when he plays at Seattle U, and you start growing yep. the fan base. I think this only helps to grow a, a more ravenous Seattle U soccer culture in this area, which is already a crazy yeah. popular. I was I just moved here. It's crazy how popular soccer is yeah, in this state. Huge. It blows my mind every time I see it. Yeah, and also, Achille is fantastic. Declan played so well for us last year. Same with Peter Kingston. James Morris is also fantastic. Unbelievable. It's great to see these Seattle U guys out on a big stage. And USL League 2, I mean, there's a chance they could play the Sounders. Not super likely. I mean, uh, Open Cup is the only chance they can play, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in the third division of uh, U.S. soccer. Yeah. So they're pretty far down there. But, you know, they are semi-professional players. And to show they're playing, they're keeping up their their routines and they're playing with other D1 players against other D1 players and also semi-professional players so they're only going to get better and yep. better and as we look towards the fall season where they want to their goal is to get to the NCAA tournament and with these guys playing semi-professional soccer I think this gives them a legit shot to really win the whack again and also to beat UW on our turf Ooh, I like that I like that too that's always good <laughs> be okay um but I uh, Coach Fewing has talked about how he wants to continue to push the brand of Seattle University soccer, and they're playing big opponents. You know, they want to schedule big opponents this fall, and you know, expose them, you know, to bigger soccer on the national stage. And I think this is the way you do it. You get your players playing in those leagues, especially great players. Achille Kasim, as you talked about, great player. Declan McLean, great player. Peter, K- I mean, they're just. They're all great, and then you remember, oh, yeah, they also play for us. So it's going to be fun to see next year, but continue to support them. If you have, you know, just the soccer itch or the Red Hawk itch and you want to go, please go support them at Interbay. It's not that far from here. I know traffic sucks around here, but get hop in your car this summer, go over there, and check them out for Ballard FC if you just want to support the guys out there doing what they do best, which is playing some football. So... Again, big shout-out to Ballard FC for picking them up, and then shout-out to the guys to perform and represent Red Hawk Nation. Well, we'll step away again, take another quick break, then come back with an interview with Donnie Harrell as he uh, talks about getting ready for WAC Baseball, which is just around the corner, starts on Wednesday. 
So we'll chat with him. This was pre-recorded before they went down to Arizona in the GCU series. So if you're wondering why I ask questions that don't make sense, that is why. So uh, we'll talk to you on the other end of that interview here on the Red Hawk Report. But uh, Donnie Hero up next. Brewing is a proud sponsor of Red Hawk Men's Basketball. Georgetown Brewing Company is an independently owned Seattle craft brewery and the maker of Manny's Pale Ale. Information about their tasting room, kegs, growlers, and cans to go can be found on their website, georgetownbeer.com. This broadcast is brought to you in part by Seattle Children's. Seattle Children's has been named one of the best children's hospitals in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. Hope. Care. Care. Seattle Children's. This broadcast is made possible in part by Copiers Northwest. For over 30 years, Copiers Northwest has been offering multifunction copier, printer, and software solutions for businesses and organizations in the Northwest. Swedish is proud to support Seattle U's athletic department and its students. Swedish offers programs such as charity care, research, community health, and education. More information is available at Swedish.org. This broadcast is made possible in part by Coke Zero, a proud supporter of Red Hawk men's basketball. Coke Zero has zero sugar and no calories. Coke Zero is available in stores now. Coke Zero, a proud partner of Seattle University Athletics. And welcome back into another episode of the Red Hawk Report. We're joined by head baseball coach, Donnie Earl. Coach, thanks for hopping on before you head to practice today. Absolutely. You guys just finally clinched a spot in the WAC playoffs now, and now you get to head down there to Arizona, first Grand Canyon. But kind of talk to us about how the season ended up, won six of your last ten to kind of capture this spot. Yeah, it was a unique season, as you know, just based on everything we went through with COVID and injuries and um, high expectations to start the year. And, you know, I thought we played well in the beginning of the season and, and played some good teams. And and then by the time we got to conference, it just seems like we got into a little bit of a funk, you know, whether it be not all of our personnel being on the field or getting into a rhythm. And, um, you know, we went through that wave of two and a half, three weeks of not having our full club, kind of feeling out who we were and got beat around a little bit. But as you said, you know, as guys came back and we got healthy, um, we've been on a nice stretch and we played good this week and we got, you know, obviously bull rushed on Saturday. Um, but I think our heads were in a different space too with senior day a little bit. But uh, very happy to get in the tournament. As you know, anything can happen from there. We've had a lot of success in the tournament of, of making some changes of what we do in that part compared to ours. So we're healthy and um, we're excited to get down to Mesa, but we still want to take care of business at GCU first. You talked about the resiliency you guys had. You had COVID, you had injuries, you didn't have your you know initial starting lineup, and then once that finally got in there, you started playing really good baseball. Do you feel like you're playing your best baseball right now, or do you feel like you still have some improvements that can be made? Yeah, I think we're pretty close. I mean, we still got some, as you've seen, because you follow us every game, we've got some changes to make in our bullpen to just find the right pieces. But I thought it showed up you know, quite a bit when we were at UW and we were able to match up with guys um, prior to, um, you know, obviously we lose that game 4-2, to two, but we ran some lefties in to face lefties, righties to face righties. Those guys took those roles well. We didn't do that against CBU um, just based on, again, trying to get our innings spread out with our starters to get them ready for the tournament. But we can go back to mixing and matching this weekend against GCU because we're going to downplay our starters a little bit and protect them and have them run 70 to 75 pitches. So if we can get the bullpen where they feel like they're in a good spot this week, and then I think we create good momentum going into the tournament. Is there a point in this season where you felt, oh, we finally turned the corner? Is there a certain game or a certain week of practice that you really felt, oh, we're coming together now? 
I thought Dixie State, you know, it was a must-win series and, and um, you know, just being on the uh, the back end of this conference and making sure we're getting into a tournament. And, and we had some ebbs and lows and they didn't crack. And it was the first time that um, we felt good about the guys we went to in the mound and they showed great resilience and they kept their composure. The bats stayed hot down there, obviously, in a, in a very hot environment in the upper 90s. So I think that game taught us a lot about ourselves, even though we had already beaten, you know, Washington and Portland. Um, that one for me just seemed like, okay, behind or ahead, you know, we know, knew, showed that we knew how to play when we were ahead, but more importantly, we came behind and, and won that third game. So I would say that was the game for me. And then it carried over to the first game against um, Cal Baptist. And then Saturday, you know, we did, made a good push there in the ninth when Connor hit a two-run home run and Anderson hits one, you know, just five feet foul. So uh, I like where we're at. Um, I do want this bullpen to, you know, show me something down at GCU just so we have the final pieces. But um, I'm very satisfied with where we're at right now. Has there been a player or a, a position group that's really stood out and made improvements this year that you – feel has been a big reason for this turnaround? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the best offensive club we've ever had statistically. And, and, and a lot of that's due because we're old. Um, and a lot of those guys, and, I, and you know, I think that's a benefit going into the tournament. A lot of these guys have played in that, you know, big arena before down in Mesa. So I think that helps us. But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, just late Connor getting hot. You know, Gellos has been there all year. Bosnault's been there all year. But now Anson's had some hot games. You know, Welch has been there. Um, so it's all contagious, right? And, and and we're hoping the pitching gets contagious as well, too. But, you know, the offense and, and defense has been really good the last month of the season, and our pitching's picking up. But um, I think we'll win, you know, offensively more than anything because it's obviously a hot park, and hopefully we hit a bunch of balls around that stadium. We'll get you out of here on this one. There's You've played the West Division, obviously, because you're in it. But now with the new format for the WAC, the Southwest, you're finally going to see them down there in Mesa. What's kind of the thought when you see a team that you haven't seen all year, only seen on film? Like, what's the game plan for that? Well, it's kind of interesting because that conference has been separated for so long now where you knew what four teams were going to Mesa. And um, when GCU kind of jumped ahead in our conference and then when we lost that last series to SAC, there was separation between the one and two and who was going to be the three and four in our conference. So... Our coaches have done a great job of staying ahead of it and, and done a lot of scouting on Sam Houston State and Lamar because we know we're going to play one of those two. So we're a little bit blessed there because the last three weeks have been scouting them with anticipation that we were going to make the tournament. But, you know, as I told the WAC uh, network this morning, you don't really know what you're getting into. It's exciting because it's a team you haven't played, so we're really excited about that. But you don't have the ability to look across the diamond and, and get a feel for what their pulses, how they play when they're behind or how they play when they're ahead or what the skipper's thinking in certain situations because that doesn't show up on video or scouting reports. So uh, we'll play it, you know, you know, one pitch at a time, so to speak, which is an old saying, but kind of create some reactions and read what they're doing to see if we can, you know, combat that or stay ahead of it. But I think it's exciting. It's exciting for the conference to – you know, play teams you haven't, and so we're looking forward to that. Well, we appreciate it, Coach. Uh, good luck down there in Arizona. I'll be joining you soon, but uh, let's go get some wins. Absolutely. We'll have a cold iced tea down there. Sounds good to me. All right. Get it. Uh, head men's baseball coach Donnie Harrell here on the Red Hawk Report. Swedish is proud to support Seattle U's athletic department and its students. Swedish offers programs such as charity care, research, community health, and education. More information is available at swedish.org. This broadcast is made possible in part by Copiers Northwest. 
For over 30 years, Copiers Northwest has been offering multifunction copier, printer, and software solutions for businesses and organizations in the Northwest. Georgetown Brewing is a proud sponsor of Red Hawk Men's Basketball. Georgetown Brewing Company is an independently owned Seattle craft brewery and the maker of Manny's Pale Ale. Information about their tasting room, kegs, growlers, and cans to go can be found on their website, georgetownbeer.com. Tequila Kasim, men's goalkeeper for Seattle U, and you listen to the Red Hawk Report. Again, a big thank you to head coach Donnie Harrell for hopping on for a quick interview before they went down to Arizona for a prolonged period. They played GCU this past weekend. They're staying there until uh, first game on Wednesday against Lamar. And uh, we'll talk about that here in this segment. Saw the guys went to go play some golf the other day. A little bonding opportunity down there in Arizona. Got to kill some time between now and whack baseball starting up. But as I said, uh, Starts on Wednesday, believe it or not. It's the last sporting event we have going on here at Seattle University. We talked about the other sports going on. Whack Track wrapped up. We talked about that on the last episode. We, this is our first episode since Whack Track went on, so let's give them a quick shout-out. Hosting Seattle University did over at the University of Washington was put on beautifully. So congratulations to all the operations team there, to uh, all of the track athletes, track coaches. We're doing a great job of representing the university uh, in hosting, hosting is a very hard thing to do. So, again, big shout out to them. Softball hosted last year, went very well. So, we have a pretty good track record going on. Obviously, basketballs we can't host. That's always in Vegas. Baseball, we're never going to host. You know, that's down in Arizona uh, at the A's spring training facility. So, there's only so many things you can host. And it's, a, it's quite an honor that softball and now track back to back have done such a good job here on campus or in city i should say for a track but uh going on back to baseball now it's down at holcomb stadium in arizona which is the spring training site for the oakland athletics which is nicer than their actual major league stadium uh three seed from the west (laughs) division is what (laughs) the red hawks are going to be they play lamar the cardinals in the first game at 4 p.m on espn plus so that is a subscription-based service so it's not going to be on regular cable so if you're just tuning in obviously if you've been following the red hawks all season they played on espn plus a few times on the road mostly on the WAC digital network at home games will still be on the WAC digital network but just for international so you have to be out of the country so espn plus for anybody here domestically uh double elimination is the format for this so they win a game you essentially buy two more games if you lose you have a sudden death for the rest of your time there uh if they win if they beat the cardinals 7 p.m the next day they will play the winner of abilene christian or grand canyon if they lose they will play the next day at noon against the loser of those two teams and obviously grand canyon only saw them once this season got swept just talked about that Abilene Christian and Lamar, which is why I want to bring you guys back in. They're two teams we have not seen this season. As the divisions have come in, you only played teams in your division. Seattle University is in the West Division with the likes of California Baptist, Utah Valley, Dixie State, which is now Utah Tech, uh, New Mexico State. So you have those, and Grand Canyon, obviously, you have those teams that you constantly rotate and play, but the Southwest is doing the same thing. So playing Lamar, not only for the first time just because they're you know, not in the West Division, but it's the first time in program history that the Cardinals and the Red Hawks have played. 
So do you guys think that gives an advantage, or what are your thoughts on facing a team for the first time in a tournament setting? I think it's going to be a really interesting game because Lamar, they they have a great baseball team down there in Texas. They have a great home-and-away record. They're 36-19 and on the season. They have some great wins against some Power 5 schools, like Texas, uh, I'm pretty sure Texas A&M. No, sorry, Oklahoma, which is a great, great baseball school, and it was at Oklahoma. So they're going to be a very tough team for CLU to come in and beat. But CLU's got some good wins too. I mean, we've we've beaten UW, and I mean, let's see if we can just change the momentum from that Grand Canyon series. But I really hope I really hope they can get this win out and go on and play the next two games. I think if Seattle U. They have the offensive firepower. I think what's crucial is if they can get into the uh, Lamar Lamar's bullpen. I think that's yep. where they struggle the most. They've got some really good starters. So I think Seattle, you you have to rely on your batters take uh, taking pitches, not swinging at everything, and just you have to build up that pitch count for the starters because coaches tend to get more nervous when your pitch count goes up. So they're going to go into the bullpen, and I think that's when Seattle, you has the advantage. You have no tape on each other because it's your first time playing. And I think in game one, in the game one in this last series, the bullpen played very well like you wanted, and then your starter played okay. But as long as you, I think if you can get into the bullpen, I think you have a good shot. I think this is a very winnable game for Seattle U. I think they have a good shot. I agree, and I think there's something about seeing somebody for the first time that I, it doesn't play an advantage to you, obviously, because they're doing the same exact thing as you are. But I think there's something, it's a neutral site, Arizona's hot, balls are going to fly out of that park, and you have a great offense, as you guys said, and that can be, you know, beneficial. Obviously, pitching is a great great equalizer, because if you have someone that's shutting someone down, then, I mean, there's not much you can do. But I agree, I think that if the bats get hot, this team can't beat anybody. But there's always also, obviously, the flip side of that, where it's like, oh, well, you know, you could also lose to anybody if you go up against a really good pitcher. Or, you know, your bullpen and starter are struggling. And that's what's so fun about baseball. And I think in tournament style, that's why March Madness is so fun. Anything can happen in one game. You know, anything can happen. Obviously, it's a double elimination. But the fact that the guaranteed the three teams you are going to play are Lamar, who is the two seed from the Southwest, Abilene Christian, who's a lower seed from the uh, Southwest, and then Grand Canyon, who's the number one seed from your division, who you just got swept by. They'll have a chip on their shoulder against Grand Canyon. Abilene Christian's another new team, and then Lamar's another new team. So I think there's enough to motivate you to take all of them down. But we'll see. You know, who knows? Obviously, I'll be going down there not happy about the weather. I've talked to you guys. I'm a cold weather person. I, <laughs> the forecast is 100 degrees. Oh, oh <laughs> so, that sounds oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> so, uh, that's, hopefully, that's too much. Hopefully, man. the bats are hot. Ha-ha. So, um, hey, at least it's not that sticky Midwest hot. Yeah, the muggy hot. I, I'd rather take that, honestly. Oof. I don't, the dry heat, it uh, does nothing for my complexions. So. <laughs> uh, so, hopefully, again, that uh, tune in to baseball. They, like seriously, they are the only sport going on right now for the Red Hawks until we get into fall sports and the soccer's kick off and volleyball gets their first serve in. So, all hands on deck to go support the baseball team and Donnie Hero. They can make a push. They did last year. You can make a push once you're in. You're in. You know, it's seeding. Yeah, it matters a little bit because of matchups. But once you're one of the eight teams, you're one of the eight teams, and you got to go out there and do what everybody else does. Win Saint Peter's game. this year. Yeah, same. I mean, look at Bass. Yes, everybody, there's always a Cinderella. There's always a Cinderella. And I know Coach Harold doesn't want to be 
you know, they don't want to be titled as that because they're good enough to be a, a really good team. But, you know, just get hot. Yeah. And once you get hot, it's very hard to cool off, which is another reason why I don't like the heat. <laughs> so, but anyway, it, it will be a fun ride down there in Arizona. You know, hopefully it will uh, go in the favor of the Red Hawks. But uh, first game, first pitch at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. That is Pacific time on ESPN Plus. So uh, tune in there and see the Red Hawks try to once again make history. This is uh, remember, folks, that this team was reestablished in 2010, so it's still very young compared to the other sports on campus. It's not like they came up with the Division One teams and they're like, oh, we're back to Division One. No, they did not have a team and reestablished. So it's still kind of young. It's still in its infancy here at Seattle University. And Coach Harold trying to build it up. And piece by piece, offense by obviously, as we said, the offense is kind of old and the pitching's young. So eventually that's going to flip flop. So the offense got to keep hot, though, to be there when the pitching catches up, too. But uh, that, uh, yeah, I think it's, unless you guys got something else to say about baseball. No, I think, like you said, they're a Cinder. They don't want to be labeled as Cinderella, but I take Cinderella as kind of a compliment. It shows you've got real potential. Yep. You just, you've got a chance. And I think I'm rooting for Seattle, and I think they can really upset this, upset to get some wins in this tournament. Yeah, Red Hawks all day, every day. Let's go, <laughs> go Red Hawks. I bring like it, it. Bring it home. Bring I it like home. it. Well, we got a couple minutes left in the show, so uh, why don't we uh, get to know you guys a little bit more? You know, since you guys are both. Well, obviously, one of you is a little more new than the other one because one of you actually goes to school here. But what what has been your guys' favorite moments? Uh, we'll start with you, Walker, because you're, you know, you come in. I'm sure you did a little bit of research on the university. What do you think was the top moment, or what's something that stood out to you when you're researching Seattle University? Let's just stay on the athletic side. It really stood out from this year, or something that really excited you about working with athletics? I mean, you saw you saw the the soccer teams are obviously f- phenomenal. Beating my Cougars, the women's team was phenomenal. They're a really good team. Uh, what stood out to me was the uh, the bat- men's basketball team dropped a hundred points on Northwest, and um, Emeka Odene uh, had, had a triple double, which I think triple doubles in college on top of a hundred point performance is impressive. And once you see those three digits, that's just that stands out to you. That's unbelievable. That's so cool. A local team nearby, you just I was just shocked. And obviously, I like to see Brandon Chaffield play. I have a soft oh, why spot. Oh, why is that? I think a lot. He... <laughs> played a couple years for the Cougars, but you know. Oh, he did. Okay, I yeah. wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. Had a couple classes with him. He's a nice guy. Yeah? Yeah, I root for him. Got a soft spot in those former Cougars. We got to tell Mech you shouted him out with the triple-double. Yeah. You know, next time we're in the men's uh, the basketball team uh, offices. You guys? That was a big I, – I mean, I rode that one, obviously, very high because – I don't remember if someone else got another triple-double, but he was tied for the lead in triple-doubles in all of NCAA. Because, as you said, it's so hard to get a triple-double in NCAA uh, in college play. And he got it, and that was a big game, obviously. And Mech, I compare him a little bit to Draymond Green, where he's not going to... Draymond shoots a little bit more from three, but Mech can bring the ball up. He'll rebound the ball and then bring it up, and he'll facilitate. And that's why he's able to get those. He's a workhorse, and he'll he's a kind of a jack-of-all-trades. And... He's the type of guy he puts his shoulder down, gets into the painted area. He's kind of hard to clear out because he just has that strength. But uh, yeah, definitely a big shout out to Mech on the triple double. What about you, Matt? What, what was your favorite moment so far this year, or what are you looking forward to? Even I'm really looking forward to the soccer team this fall. Yeah, that's, that's the main thing. I just cannot wait to see those boys hit the pitch and give it all they got. Um, that I'm a big soccer fan. I've been getting to a big soccer fan. The best moments of the last year have been 
Sadly, again, against UW, we lost that, but we went into extra time, and I just, yeah. that was such just, it was just great soccer. Like, it was unfortunate they lost, but they just played so well. And at that time, University of Washington was number one in the country, mm-hmm. and they were undefeated. And they gave them a run for their money. Totally. It was a fantastic match, and I just cannot wait to see them do it again, and they're going to come out on top this next time. But my second favorite moment was against Sam Houston for the basketball team at mm-hmm. home. That game, I remember watching. I was getting a little nervous because we were down 20 in the first half. Yep. We ended up winning by 15 points, and that was a just incredible That's a comeback. heck of a comeback. Yeah, I, I posted on social media somewhere where was, we went on a 26-point run, 26-0 or something crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was quite the run. And that, we were still undefeated in conference play, too. That was the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, we were So they, they kept the streak alive. Obviously, it came to an end, but it was, it was, uh, it was electric in the gym that day over the Bearcats. So, uh, yeah, definitely great choices there. Um, if I had to choose, I mean, it's so hard to choose one because, you know, being here for quite some time and seeing every, everything, it's it's been magical. You know, every sport's had something. You talk about Nathan Cogswell. You talk about women's tennis and their historic run, first time ever getting to the championship. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Jade Lancaster on here, Achille being the first signing in Ballard FC history. You know, it's so many great things have happened. You talk about the soccer's. Uh, men's basketball, first time ever being champions of the WAC in the regular season. I think it was just so much, but I think what I'm looking forward to is how much we're going to build on all that. All these teams are going up. You know, it's not like anybody's coming down, and it's it's stepping stones as this university continues to be better and better, and more and more in the spotlight. And it's young guys like you that are going to help continue to push stories and things like that out. So again, thanks for hopping on the show. Anytime. You know, yeah, thanks for having us. We will be off next Monday because it is a holiday, so we will not be in studio. But uh, Kobe Williamson from Men's Basketball joins us in two weeks, so don't want to miss that one. But for this episode, that's it. Six o'clock on the clock. So uh, we're going to head off. But uh, thanks for tuning in on the Red Hawk Report. Again, guys, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, it's been great having you. Again, Absolutely. Walker Brooks and uh, Matt Price. Matt with the Spectator. Go check them out. Oh, shout out your social media handles. Where, where can everybody yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. go so, see you guys? If you have any inquiries or any article ideas at all, please feel free to uh, email me at mprice at su-spectator.com. That's mprice at su-s-p-e-c-t-a-t-o-r.com. Got enough letters in there? Yes. Okay. I, I did. <laughs> and then also my phone, uh, you can reach out to me via just... Email is probably the best option. Email is the best option. Yeah, I was just saying. Phone number over there, ways might not be the best. Uh, What about you, Walker? Any any social media plugs you got out there? The the best way to reach me is on Twitter at Deputy Violet, D E P U T Y V I O L E T. Weird name, I know, but I made it when I was in the seventh grade. It works. Kind of stuck with it. Yeah, that's Twitter for you. You know, sometimes you can't change. You guys know where to find me, uh, but go follow them instead. They're more entertaining than I am. But that does it for another Red Hawk Report. Hope to see you on the next one in two weeks for myself Russell Brown for Walker and Matt signing off here from the studios have a great rest of your week and as always go Red Hawks